I'm Jackie Hayes, and welcome to Stories from a Gen X Woman, a podcast for women shaped by John Hughes movies, Sesame Street, and Number Munchers. With this podcast, we share the stories of our generation. Today's episode is a story of Big Sky Dreams. It's more than that, really, because we all have those kind of dreams. They play out in our minds, whether they're eat, pray, love style pilgrimages or opening our own bakery. How many of your big dreams have you gone after, sacrificed to make them come to life? I've known today's guests for almost two decades. She's full of big sky dreams, just like the rest of us. She said enough and made one of them happen. Since I've known her, and for years before that, Stacy has been a wanderer. The soul of a place fills her up to overflowing. The sights, the sounds, the topography fills her bucket like nothing much else can. So she dreamed of traveling the world, filling up that bucket with every place imaginable. In the fall of 2015, Stacy, her husband, and her two teenage kids packed their bags and traveled through six countries over five months. She fell in love, she felt heartbroken, she discovered a lot about herself, her spouse, and her children. And her story? It was inspired by someone else's. So your Big Sky Dreams, one of them was obviously fall of 2015, where you and your family, which included two teenage kids, decided to pack it all up and go on an extended travel on the other side of the globe. What prompted that? Oh, you know, as all good ideas do, it started with a book. I read I read this book called One Year Off. I think that's what it was called. One Year Away or One Year Off about a family with children much younger than mine who sold their house and quit their jobs and took their kids on a trip around the world for a year. And I was mesmerized by this book. And boy, I tell you what, that idea just settled in my subconscious and took root and would not for any for anything be shook off and I just thought about it and thought about it and dwelled on it and dwelled on it <laughs> one day I just asked my husband I was like hey you know what we should like quit our jobs and take our kids on a trip around the world and he's a Capricorn he should have been like there that is nonsense but he looked right at me and didn't even blink his eye and be like it was like yeah let's absolutely do that I was like oh boy <laughs> so n- neither one of us is going to be <laughs> going to be reasonable about this great um and I think if he had put his foot down it probably wouldn't have happened you know it's so hard to make big things happen when you have Mm -hmm. there was enough pushback in the world there was enough pushback from friends enough pushback from our family um, enough pushback from our employers that it was hard enough to make it happen I can't imagine having pushback from your spouse Um, so I was glad that I didn't otherwise I probably wouldn't have done it and be talking to you about it right now. What was some of the pushback that you got? Oh my goodness. Well, my dad told us and everyone that would even hear him that it was the stupidest damn idea he'd ever heard and we were stupid damn kids and why on earth would you do such a stupid damn thing? And then he didn't talk to me for over a year because it was such a stupid thing to do. Um, So that was probably the extreme. Um, but even apart from that, you know, I, I had people that I worked with that were like, why on earth would you do something like that? And 
you know, why on earth would you quit a perfectly good job? Which, you know, is it's a valid question. It's a valid question. Um, and I and I know that it's at the top of the list of concerns for people. Like, you have a good job, you get paid a very good wage, why would you leave that? Um, but you know what? I had the rest of my life to make money. And I had this very short window of opportunity where my kids were at a place in their lives that allowed us the privilege of being able to take a trip right in that moment. And um, I have never regretted taking that leap. But, I mean, you know, people don't understand. People have different dreams, Mm -hmm. and they... um, travel is not one of them or this kind of travel is not one of them and it's hard for people to understand how you prioritize things when they would prioritize them differently so that was a lot of the pushback and then my mom was just scared she was scared of every place we were going and everything that we were doing and I was taking her grandbabies and she was just terrified all the time terrified that you wouldn't come back terrified that you oh she was terrified that something bad would happen to us in every place that we went to she was just a ball of nerves the whole time we were gone if you had traveled say within the united states for that period of time or she would have been fine she wouldn't be fine it was just because you were going to foreign countries and and not western european foreign countries right it was the places we chose to go to that had her and where did where did you go and how long did you spend in each country we went to oh boy okay it's been a little while. So we've been to Tur- we went to Turkey first for uh, a little over 30 days. We went to India next for two weeks, and then Thailand for about three weeks, then Laos for a week, Cambodia for a couple weeks, and then we came back to Thailand for a couple weeks, and then to Bali for a month. And of those places, which um touched your heart to the most? That's such a hard question and it changes, my answer changes depending on what day it is. My husband and I will both say, it's a Bali day today or it's, I miss, I miss Cambodia today because we just have days where the air feels a certain way or the sun is shining in a certain way or um, we're just having memories that day of a certain place and so I think that every any day that you ask me, I might have a different answer. But I would say definitely we loved Thailand. It was so easy to travel in Thailand and, and Turkey. For me, for me personally, I left a piece of my soul in Turkey. I don't know that the other members of my family would say that Turkey was their favorite place, but it, it definitely was for me. Um, and that's good. I mean, we all came away with different favorites, which is good and how it is supposed to be so and then of the places which ones were the most unsettling for you (laughs) we've been back for two years now and i have just in the last month decided that maybe someday i might be able to go back to india and i'm still can't say that with 100 (laughs) percent confidence because i'm still shook to my core um, India was hard on so many levels. It, it was just hard. It's hard. It's difficult to travel in India. Um, India is not a clean place. There's a lot of poverty. There's a lot of things that just make your heart hurt. Um, transportation is difficult. It was made more so because we stupidly um, ended up being there during Diwali, which is one of their big celebrations, um, Celebration of Light. 
which also was very cool that we got to experience that, but it made travel nearly impossible to the point that we had to break down and hire somebody to help us get around the country. Um, it's just hard. It's just a hard country. It's hard to eat safely. It's hard um, on your heart. Um, but it's also an incredible place, and I'm, I'm really glad that we went. I'm really glad that we experienced that. I also should say that prior to us leaving, I was the only one of us who had ever been out of the country. Mm. So neither one of our kids or my husband had ever traveled internationally, and the last time I had traveled internationally was about 20 years ago. So to have chosen India as a place to go for newbie travelers and a traveler who hadn't traveled in 20 years, and when I did, it was to Western Europe, um, it was kind of asking a lot of us. Um, but I think it also gave us some street cred. We're like, yeah, we did it. We're crazy people. We did not know what we were doing, but we survived India. And, and so that's pretty cool. But boy, whew, it was hard. It was hard. It was hard on Lily, our daughter. She really struggled in India. Um, but it put things into it put things in perspective. We were real, real, real happy when we got to Thailand. <laughs> Night and day for travelers. Yes, indeed. So, how old were your kids when you started the travel? Uh, Lily was 15, and Ian was 18. Okay. And so earlier you said your kids were in a place where it made sense for you to go. Mm-hmm. Most people, when you read travel blogs, their kids are much, much younger. And most people, I think, would think mm, 15 and 18 is not the best time to travel with with kids because, you know, that's the age when they start to have their whole other lives going on. Mm-hmm. So um, what was it like taking teens traveling? You know, it was a lot easier than I thought it would be. Um, first of all, both of our kids were 100% on board. So we didn't have to, like bribe them to leave their friends for a year or you know any of that they were both super excited about going Lily probably had a little more trouble with it than Ian did but ultimately she did really really well for me I knew that I that there was no way I was going to homeschool my kids and so when you have when you travel with young kids you have the burden of their education on you and um, that just wasn't something that appealed to me at all and we were fortunate enough that we went to the counselor at Lily's High School and said, we want to travel for this indeterminate amount of time. We don't know how long we're going to be gone. Um, what are our options? And she was really excited about us taking the trip. And immediately she went to the school board and was able to get Lily enrolled in online courses through the high school. So she took her whole junior year online and that just immediately was when we knew we could do it. It it made her feel so much more at ease, that she wasn't going to come back behind, that we weren't going to have to figure out how to do schooling on the road, and it eased my mind because by the time they're juniors in high school, like, I I cannot teach them physics and (laughs) and geometry and all of these things that she needed to know how to do are not in my wheelhouse to teach, so that took a load off of both of our minds. And Ian was in kind of like a gap year at that point, wasn't he? Yeah, he actually graduated from high school and went to um, a local community college and got his certification in welding and had just um, gotten that certification and hadn't started working yet. So he was at a good point. He wasn't going to miss any schooling and um, it, it just worked. It just worked kind of perfectly 
that timing wise and um, we were really concerned that we not take Lily during her senior year we wanted her to have a, a you know a full senior year experience at high school so it just was this perfect moment in time um, logistically but also became this perfect moment in time where we just it was almost like time outside of time these these five months that we had together as a family, just the four of us navigating the world and the challenges and the joys of travel. Like I look back at that time and I have so much nostalgia of just about that bubble that the four of us were in, just learning together and exploring together and taking care of each other. And Oh, good stuff. Now that being together, you're together basically 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mm-hmm. Prior to your trip, you and your husband had a conflicting work schedule. So you really didn't get to see him much because he worked nights. You maybe saw him on the weekends and he was usually tired during those times. Now you yeah. have this long trip where you're together 24 hours a day. What was that like after being married? Who had been married for how long when you took the trip? Oh, 20, 21 years. Um... Yeah, it was it, it was actually great. Every everybody kind of teased us about it. And we're like, how is that going to work out? You guys haven't spent any time together for the last ten years, and now you're going to spend every day together. And we were both really excited about it. But it was super easy when you're traveling the world, right? Because like there's something exciting every day, and it's not the normal day-to-day grind where you like dealing with groceries and bills right, and, and you just argue the house. and get on each other's nerves and crap like that. Like none of that happened on the road because it was a new adventure every day and we had to depend on each other it was it wasn't until after we got back that that um that daily adventure wasn't part of our routine that we had to like figure out how to live together and be with each other on a normal working schedule and we really hadn't done that and i think it had been 15 years since we had both worked like a eight to five job yeah and so like it was probably five or six months after we got home and we're back into the the daily routine of working jobs and and stuff that we just were like oh why are you here all the time (laughs) we're getting it we're getting it figured out so between the moment you and and your husband decided to make the trip to when you actually left for the trip how much time passed four years um we originally thought Um, and the kind of time came at that third year where we had to you know start booking airline tickets and ordering passports and like doing shit that would propel us toward this and um, we just weren't pulling the trigger like we just weren't doing it and uh, for a couple of reasons the first reason is that you know the kids weren't quite where they needed to be schedule wise um but also, we just didn't feel like we had enough money saved up. We were really nervous about that. So kind of those two things were at play at the end of that third year. And it was never really anything that we spoke about. We just kind of didn't do anything. Mm. And and then we just looked at each other and we're like, so we're not going this year, I guess. <laughs> just kind of kept saving and kept planning and um, had the conversation the next year that was like, this is do or die. You know, um, Ian needs to start a job. Lily's going to be a senior in high school. We're not. We know we're not going to travel when those things are happening. Um, we have to go this year, or we're not going. And that was sort of the propulsion that we needed to pull the trigger and start making some some plans that eventually got us out of the country. What kind of sacrifices did you have to make leading up to the trip? 
not as many as we should have. <laughs> um, I wish, in retrospect, I wish that we had been a little bit more frugal um, and just stockpile more money away. Our, our plan was to go and, and come home when the money ran out. So we didn't really know how long we were going to be gone. And I had hoped it would be longer than it, it ended up being. However, at the same time, when we came home, we were all ready to come home. So that being said, I don't know if we really would have enjoyed having more time. Um, but we, we weren't terribly frugal. We still had our Starbucks and we still went to theater shows and concerts and, you know, did the things. Um, but as, as time got closer, we started to, um, really downsize what we had in our house. So we had a couple of garage sales where we kind of got rid of, of the things that weren't serving us anymore that we could use for extra money. Um, we had a huge book sale where we sold like 700 books and God, that's crazy to even say that out loud. We, sold, we just sold, we still have a house full of books, but we sold 700 books. So that was the thing that happened. Um, so we did some of that kind of culling of stuff to give us a little bit of extra money on the road. And then the book of how we paid for our trip was that we pulled from our 401ks, which again, tweaked people out to no end. Like you tell people that you're going to take money out of your 401k to travel the world and you can literally watch them have a stroke <laughs> in front of your face like something happens to them when you say those things um and and i get it like it's i get it people are really concerned about having enough money to retire on and or not have enough money to retire on um but for us we knew we knew that this was a once in a lifetime opportunity we knew that this was a gift we were giving our children we knew that there was a very good likelihood that in God even knows how many years with the way social security works. Will we ever be able to retire? Will there be any money after we retire? Will we be any, in any physical shape to travel after we retire? We certainly will never have this opportunity to travel for an extended length of time with our kids at any other time in our lives. And we just kind of made the decision that, that this was how we wanted to spend that money, that right now was more important than some indeterminable time in the future. And we, there were a couple things that happened in our family that helped us make that decision. We lost my husband's mom, passed when she was 47, and we were creeping up toward that age and really just kind of feeling our own mortality and, and all of the things that she thought that she would do when she was retired and never got a chance to do. And then I also lost a friend who was my age around that time, very suddenly. Um, someone who had a lot of things left to do on this earth and just didn't get a chance to do those things. And um, I, I was kind of haunted by, by that. And, and just there's no, there's no guarantee. There is no guarantee. And um, sitting there waiting for some guarantee of tomorrow just didn't make sense to us. It doesn't make sense to me now. It's not how I've ever lived my life, and it's probably not how I will ever live my life, and that upsets a lot of people, but that's okay, because they're not living my life. Did you have to make any sacrifices during the trip? Yes, we made a lot of sacrifices, like about the trip. Mm -hmm. Yeah, even before we left, we were cutting things from the itinerary based on things that we knew that we wouldn't be able to afford to do, like entire continents. Like originally Africa was on the docket and we just knew that we weren't going to be able to do that. And um, 
South America was on the docket for a really long time, and I, I think we were probably a month from coming home when we were like, oh, we're not going to be able to do South America now. So that, you know, that got chopped. And, um, yeah, there was lots of, lots of things that happened that were like, oh, okay, we've got to cut some des- uh, destinations. We have to be choosy about kind of what we do. We skipped a lot of the big touristy things because they came with heavy price tags. Um, And I think ultimately none of us really cared too much about that. We got into this really nice rhythm of settling down in small neighborhoods and really just falling into the pulse of the day-to-day in those countries. And that, for me, was far more rewarding than queuing up for you know, four hours to spend a stupid amount of money to see a temple that is, that somebody decided was a must-do tourist attraction. We did some of those things. I mean, you don't go to India and not see the Taj Mahal. We did some of those things. But as a rule, um, we tried to to steer away from the things that were going to cut days off of our travels. What did you learn about yourself? I'm still learning things about myself from that trip. And I'm still surprised every time that I'm still learning things about myself. Um, I had to really learn how to trust. Okay, so here's the thing. We had some scary ass shit happen to us while we were traveling. And I am a chronic worrier. It is a precious gift that was given to me by my grandmother that I worry about all sorts of crap that I can't control. And when you are taking your beloved offspring out into the world, the things that you lie in bed and worry about are literally endless. Like, I would lie in bed in the dark and play out full scenes in my head of all of us being kidnapped by terrorists and tortured to death. Now, that is not a good use of anyone's time. I worked myself up into so much anxiety that it was ridiculous. But what I had, what I really had to learn to do was trust that that the universe was going to take care of us. I had to trust that we were being thought about and prayed for and held in so much love and protection from the people at home. And I honest, honestly, without a doubt, believe that that love that we were held in saved our lives on more than one occasion. So I learned not to worry so much about things I couldn't control. And I learned how to trust my husband. I learned how to trust my kids and really um, recognize that they have great intuitive sense about things. And so many times they led us as we traveled. They would lead us through customs. They would lead us map-wise to destinations. They, I remember Ian, the very first time we tried to use the metro-type system in Istanbul, I was totally overwhelmed. Everything's in Turkish. Couldn't figure out what we were supposed to do, where we were supposed to go, how to buy tokens. And our son spent two minutes just watching the locals go to a machine, put money in, purchase a token, put the token in the slot, get on the direction we were going. He read the map, knew where we needed to get off. While I was almost immobilized with like just anxiety trying to figure out this new system, he was 
absolutely confident and just walked up to the machine and did what needed to be done. And so I learned through that experience and many other examples of experiences to trust my kids. And, uh, and I learned how to trust myself and to just know in my gut that, that things are going to be okay, which is a really big lesson for me and one I should probably remember more on the daily. (laughs) (laughs) It's a handy thing to have. What lessons did you learn about your family as a whole? Mm -hmm. Um, I learned that my children are very capable, which is important for me because, you know, I just really got settled about them leaving the nest. I got really settled about Lily going away to college and Ian moving out on his own in ways that would have caused me to have a panic attack before the trip because I saw them being so capable on the trip. I saw them not only taking care of themselves, but taking care of each other and taking care of us. And I just got this really lovely sense that they were going to be okay, that they were they were really cool kids that were growing up to be really capable adults and that they were going to be just fine. And, and I learned that we are really, really damn good at taking care of each other when we had to. Like in crisis situations, we are really good about taking care of each other. So after all of that travel, you had to come home. What was the hardest part about being back? Um, I think that for me, this is kind of a trick question because when I, I didn't experience any of this until we had been back for quite a few months because we came back and just kind of got right back into the grind. Mason and I found new jobs and, um, Lily finished out her junior year online. Ian found a job. Like they, we just kind of sunk back, right back into the routine pretty quickly, and that was a nice distraction. But for me, the re-entry depression set in, and it set in hard, and it overtook my life for a good year. And the hardest part about that for me was two things. First of all, is figuring out how to incorporate travel in the day-to-day. When you're traveling non-stop for five months and then all of a sudden you stop, for some people that's a relief. But for me, it physically, mentally, and emotionally jarred me. And, um, And I've been struggling with it ever since. The second thing is just having that bubble pop, that perfect little time outside of time bubble where we were together all the time and we were experiencing something new every day and we were having these breathtaking moments and these sublime moments and these exciting moments Um, and just this incredible bonding time where it was just the four of us to have that bubble pop and to have all of these other responsibilities and obligations and things that constantly took us away from each other that was really rough um and I, and I kind of feel like we're to a point now where that doesn't bother me as much. But boy, those first few months of, you know, work obligations and, and school obligations and friends wanting our time. And it just, it felt like we were being ripped apart for a few months there when we were first back. What is something about extended travel that you wish people talked about more? Reentry. Uh, re-entry and just how possible it is. I think that people look at it as though it's this thing that other people do, and which is how I looked at it, you know, for years until 
I just stopped and was like, this is this is possible. And again, a lot of that was Mason getting on board. Things seem more possible in, when you have power by number, right? right? So when you have somebody in your on your team and in your court and you're moving toward the same goals, anything seems possible. And I, and I wish that other people had that, that other people saw extended travel as just possible. Um, because it is. Because honestly, if we could do it, anybody, anybody can do it. Because we certainly do not make an incredible amount of money. We live in a small house. We are very frugal. Um, and, and we live on a very insubstantial amount of money. I feel like, in, even just in terms of salary, if we could do it on what we made and what we had saved, that literally anybody can do it. But the other thing that I think people don't talk about enough is, is that re-entry and how damn much it hurts and how long it hurts for. And and I had read things. I had read a lot of blog posts about people who traveled for a year or whatever, and they came back and they just couldn't stand it, so they worked for a year and then they headed off out into the world again. And and I could, you know, that was helpful, and I could see, I could feel that itch too when I got back. But nobody out there talks about the debilitating depression that comes from that that act of being stopped in the middle of motion. That's something that I wish people talked about more. And, and not in a way that would dissuade people from doing it, but in a way that would give people the tools to prepare for it and to work through it upon their return. What helped you work through it? <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. I just wallowed in it for so long. Um, like to the point where it was debilitating. <coughs> Excuse me. In many, many ways. And I think ultimately... Ultimately, I think it just played itself out. Like, I just sat in it for so long that the that the option became sit in it forever or figure something out, take a trip and figure something out, you know, shake it off. And the prospect of living in it forever just was not, that wasn't really an option for me. And so I sat in it for as long as I needed to, I guess. And then, and then I had to move on. Sounds to me like it was grief. It absolutely was grief. So you had to go through all those phases that come with grief before you could. Yes. And every day gets easier. That's what you always hear with grief, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of it, too, is just, like, we didn't go anywhere for a really long time. Um, And part of that was just getting back on our feet financially after we came back and and so on and so forth. We we did not sell our house. We kept our house when we left. so we had a home to come back to, but just, you know, kind of getting back into jobs and getting financially set again, we didn't go anywhere for a really long time and we have not been out of the country since then. So, um, I think just planning some travel and going somewhere would have been super helpful in that. Even if it was just like a a weekend away kind of thing. Yep. Yeah. What, um, what is it like to travel as a Gen X woman? It's weird. Um, it's weird because we are not represented out in the world, um, especially American 
Gen X women. Um, Americans are not well represented in the international community as travelers. We just don't, as a, as a nation, travel as much as other countries do. So it's really unusual to run into other travelers from the United States um, at all, let alone other Gen X women. And the travel industry is, um, they are not fully aware that there is a generation of travelers in between boomers and millennials. Um, and I think that goes back to all the things that we talked about at the beginning of, you know, who we are as a generation. We're not very vocal. We're, we're small. We're a very small generation. Um, we travel differently than, than boomers and and millennials and there's just not we're not represented in travel literature we're not represented in travel um, advertising and we're not really represented out in the world um, and I think I think a lot of that is because we are either raising children or taking care of our parents um, so yeah it, it was really interesting because they're they're just there weren't a lot of us out there you know, every tour that we did was um, millennial couples or or single traveling, solo traveling millennials. Um, every once in a while, we would come across a family with little kids, but they were usually Western European um, or from Canada. Uh, so yeah, it was just it was just really interesting. It felt very lonely at times. What? Do you wish the travel industry would understand about Gen Xers and yeah. travel? I wish they understood that we are traveling. Um, I read a statistic recently, it may have been one that you sent to me, um, that 40% of Gen Xers who make $100,000 a year or more are fixing to take a vacation next year, and 60% who make $100,000 or less are fixing to take a vacation next year. So, like, we intend to travel. We are traveling. We're traveling sometimes alone, like, in couples. Sometimes we're traveling with our children. Um, so I wish that they just understood that we are traveling. I think that there's a misnomer that we're too busy caregiving to travel, and that's just not the truth. And I wish that they understood how we want to travel because we don't want, we're not interested in backpacking it and staying in hostels, um, but we're also not interested in cruises and luxury travel. We can't necessarily afford the luxury travel right, because of right. our obligations. And that's kind of a broad, obviously there are Gen Xers who are interested right. in cruises and such, but as a broad scope, you know, we want these really authentic experiences, but we want them with a certain level of comfort. Yes. So, you know, at the bare minimum, I just would love if travel companies and destinations knew that that we were traveling and could speak to us. Um, because really all, all we see out there, especially with Instagram right now, are these young, beautiful people, you know, who, with, who are um, completely not tied down, right? They don't, they don't have kids. They're not taking care of their parents. Um, out there traveling the world and going to these, you know, incredible destinations and taking these gorgeous pictures and wearing these beautiful dresses and, and that's all lovely, but I don't think it really represents the reality of what our generation is doing or looking for in travel. Why travel? 
Why not travel? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I just think I think it's a personal preference. We have we have always been the kind of people that value experience over stuff, and so travel just makes sense to us. Um, you know, some people what lights them up inside is the newest gadget or um, big trucks or you know, a billion other things. What lights us up inside is experiencing new places, new landscapes, new cultures, new food. Um, and, I, and I just, I really think that's just a personal preference. It's where we prioritize our money. It's where we prioritize our time. When, when we dream of things like if we had a limitless income, what would we spend it on? It's always on trips. It's never on the things that we can tangibly buy and own and have you know that, that those just aren't the things that light us up inside so if somebody came to you and said I want to do extended travel what would be like the first three things that you would tell them hmm. the first thing I would say would be let me help you <laughs> I, I think um, that's a really good question I think really committing. I think saying, like, if you really want to do it, set a time frame. I really want to take an extended trip by the end of 2019. And then start looking at where do I want to go? How do I want to travel? Is it is it important to me to stay in a four-star hotel? Will I, am I happy in an Airbnb? Am I willing to stay in a hostel? Um, and once you kind of get an idea of what a country is going to cost you on a per day basis based on the level of comfort that you want when you travel, um, then my advice is start start putting away money. Start squirreling away money in any way that you can. And, and when you're spending, ask yourself. This was something that we did a lot. We were like, we can go out to dinner and spend $60 or $60 is two days in Thailand. And a lot of times we would choose to just put that money away, to just take that $60 that we would have spent on dinner and put it in our travel fund. And, and there were times where we were like, no, right now pizza is more important than Thailand. And that was okay too. But you have to start prioritizing it because you can talk about doing something forever and ever and ever. But unless you change your behavior about that in order to start working toward it, it, it just won't ever happen. You know, you can talk about something until you're blue in the face. But if you don't take active actionable steps to get you there, then it will always be a pipe dream. So what now? <laughs> um, I am getting pretty passionate about um, educating the travel world about Gen X travelers. Um, so that's kind of something that's that's puttering around in my brain and, and trying to find form and shape. Um, and we have a trip scheduled this fall. We're going to drive the Pacific Coast Highway, um, just Mason and I, which will be very exciting. And I'm pretty sure will be the first trip that we've taken by ourselves that has been greater than just a weekend trip, which is pretty exciting, having been married for 23 years. Um, so yeah, yeah, and just trying, 
just trying to figure out on the daily how to get more travel into our lives and how to, to kind of feed that feed that demon that that uh that hungry hungry little demon that lives inside and wants to to constantly be fed new adventures we're we're trying to figure out how to always how to make more of that happen so so I'd like to finish out all of these interviews with some rapid fire questions. <laughs> okay. So obviously rapid fire, I'm going to throw them at you. You just tell me the first thing that comes to mind. Oh, this should be fun. Uh, describe yourself in three words. <sighs> We're going to start with the easiest of all of them. Okay, super. Um, uh, optimistic. Adventurous. Nurturing. Favorite day of the week? Friday. Is double dipping at a party ever acceptable? No, never. Favorite city in the U.S.? New Orleans. Uh, favorite childhood TV show? Rags to Riches. Forgot about that one. That I forgot about I that one. I loved it so much. Oh, I can't believe it. It does not stand the test of time, though. Don't go back and rewatch it. Which ones of our childhood do stand the none, test of time? None of them. Uh, what is the most interesting thing that you have in your purse? When you actually have your purse right. with you. Thinking, when was the last time I had my purse? Or your bag. Oh, boy. Dog food? <laughs> <laughs> What's the best age? Right now. Whatever age you are right now is the best age. Star Wars or Star Trek? Uh, Star Wars. And who is the woman who has inspired you and why? Who is a woman that has inspired mm, mm-hmm, you and mm-hmm, why? Mm-hmm. Who is a woman that has inspired me? There's so many. It's so hard to it's so hard to choose. Um, you know, I would I would probably say my grandma Jerry, who passed away gosh, before Mason and I were married, so many, 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 many years ago. Um, but she she was she was such a spirited woman and she at the end of her life she lived in Hawaii in a bungalow on the beach with two gay men which like is my ultimate dream goal and traveled every year to Germany and um, journaled her travels and she had a friend who lived there that she would go visit him every year and um, she always used to say to me, Stacy, you're an old soul. This isn't the first time you've been here. You're an old soul. And she was, I won't say the only adult, but, but as I remember it, the adult who the most treated me like a person instead of like a child. She always was interested in what I had to say. She was always interested in my opinion and my outlook on life and on really just um, nurturing that that little seed I had inside myself um, that would ultimately lead me to travel and to adventure and to have itchy feet and to want to experience the world. I feel like all of that came directly from her, probably genetically. It was probably burned into my DNA because it's so much a part of who I am at a cellular, cellular level, and I feel like that's her. That's so much her. Well, thank you very much for your time and for doing this with me. Yeah, it was fun. Thank you.